we tried the mic and it didn't work. So I'm going to use this mic that you can never hear. So Jeff Dancy and I are uh, presenting the results of a two and a half year collaborative research project between a team of researchers at Oxford University and the University of Minnesota, as well as a pretty far-flung uh, group of, uh, of collaborative researchers. And uh, Lee Payne and I are the co-PIs on this project. I think Lee needs no introduction, especially here in her home institution. But I did want to introduce and actually ask, to stand, ask them to stand, the other members of the team. Um, so in addition to uh, Jeff Dancy, who's here today, we also have uh, Trisha Olson, who is uh, now at the University of Denver, Andy Ryder uh, from Mount Holyoke. Um, you can stand a little bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> from Mount Holyoke College. Uh, there's Hanjun Kim from uh, Griffith University in Australia. Um, we have uh, Francesca, where is Francesca? Francesca Lessa from uh, Oxford. That doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Francesca Lessa from Oxford. We have Veronica Michelle, uh, who, uh, University of Minnesota, and now John Jay, uh, College of New York, and the Gabriel uh, Pereira. Okay, and I think I have everyone. And then in for the, our next phase of research also. We are actually piggybacking on this workshop for our wrap-up conference on Saturday of our Oxford um, team. Uh, so that's why we're here en masse. But I, I wanted to introduce it because each each member of this team, I hope that if you have any questions, you'll not only ask the two of us, but any member of the team, I think, can, can, uh, can answer some of your questions about the project. Um, and I also think that I, that I want to say each of these individuals also has his or her own research project, own dissertation and or post-dissertation projects, um, that each member has also combined field research with the coding and the quantitative uh, work that we've done in this project. And I, I do think I, I speak for all of us in that we believe deeply in the combination of qualitative research uh, and uh, quantitative research. And that we believe that different questions simply require different methods. Um, and uh, the starting point for the, I hope I said that this research project was funded by AHRC and NSF, National Science Foundation, and the British AHRC. Um, and the starting point for the AHRC NSF grant, the collaborative grant, was that there were some important questions, some important questions in transitional justice that could only be answered if we had comparable data for a large number of transitional countries. So in addition to our findings that come from our own qualitative and, and case research, um, we wanted to try to generalize across a wider range of countries. Um, and we knew also, I think from uh, our field research, that one of the questions that most concerns the people when we were doing our field research was the question of nunca mas, never again, that is the prevention of future human rights violations in the future. I think I can say that, I, that across the world, not just academics, not just policymakers, but victims and human rights organizations around the world care very, very much about the question of Nukamas. Can we prevent these atrocities from happening in the future? And in order to answer that question 
across a wide range of countries. And I can try to answer it for Argentina, and of course I went around the world trying to answer it for cases that I knew well, like Argentina and Uruguay, and I encountered some of the things that Brandy Company knew. They said, sure, that's in Argentina, but not anyplace else. Okay, and so I found that in order to be more persuasive to broader audiences, I really needed, we really needed to try to have comparable data on a wide range of countries and we needed to use the kind of techniques that we could then use to try to offer persuasive arguments about impact, not just in one country, but impact across a wider range of countries. Um, so uh, the so I'll, both Lincoln and I had been, and our co-authors originally had produced uh, uh, separate uh, transitional justice databases and did separate uh, quantitative analysis. Um, but we used different uh, source materials, we had different definitions of some of the mechanisms, and not surprisingly, we arrived at some different conclusions. And so when we wrote in the AHRC NSF grant, uh, partly with the goal of agreeing on some common definitions, and coding processes so that we could resolve some of our uh, different uh, findings. Um, and the first grant gathers together data on three uh, mechanisms on human rights prosecutions, criminal prosecutions, on truth commissions, and amnesties. And we uh, will be uh, presenting that to you today. Um, uh, and it will also, and this is very important, will also all be available online. And this is one of the requirements of our granting agency. Um, Oh, uh, well, but there it is, transitionaljusticedata.com. Uh, Remember that, because that's going to be the, the, the website name that, that we believe will be up and running in uh, September this year. Um, so we have also uh, just learned that we've received, what? <laughs> September, maybe October. Anyway, <laughs> quite very soon, we hope. And uh, it will, uh, we have also just received another uh, a grant to continue expanding our database by looking at four alternative accountabilities, uh, as uh, Lee uh, first named it. Reparations, civil human rights trials for damages, um, vetting or lustration, and traditional forms of justice. So we hope that eventually that same website will really be the go-to place for people who want uh, information across a really wide range of transitional justice mechanisms. Um, so um, what I sh first should say is this involves systematically collecting qualitative data. Systematically collecting qualitative data. And then that data is also later converted into quantitative data, but we never are losing the qualitative data. So on the website, you're going to be able to get access both to the systematically collected qualitative data as well as to the quantitative data. So for example, on a particular trial, you know, we collected information about the names of victims, the name and rank of the accused, the charges, the branch of the security service where the accused worked, the court, whether or not it resulted in a verdict or not, uh, or, uh, or if there was a conviction, what was the sentence, et cetera. Jeff will present a little more of this later. Just to know that though that information is going to be available. And so it will be a good place to consult if you're interested, for example, in a specific country and you want kind of a starting place, what's happened in uh, Guatemala. It would be a good place, um, I think, to, to start uh, if you're interested in a single country or if you want to download quantitative data. Um, so for each transitional justice mechanism, we had a different starting place from which 
to expand the research, to, 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 to check, update, and expand the research to be more comprehensive. In the case of human rights prosecutions, we started with the U.S. State Department Human Rights Country Reports, and then we did additional research uh, to expand, uh, check, and update each trial. Um, in the case of the amnesties and the truth commissions, we actually started with existing databases, so Priscilla Hayner's work, Dancy, uh, uh, Brom, and Kim, Hanjun and, and, and uh, Hanjun Kim and Jeff Dancy and Eric Brom's uh, database on truth commissions, uh, Louise Melinder's work on uh, amnesties for database and amnesty. So we started with existing databases and then we expanded from those with additional research. We, with trials, we will not have a complete list. We will not have a complete list of trials. We will have a representative but incomplete sample. A full and complete data on trials in the world exists, I think, and Kath will update us for only two countries in the world. Uh, on Chile, thank you to Kath Collins, and she will tell us more about it. And on Argentina, and perhaps in the future on Uruguay and Peru. Okay, but right now, the full and complete data on trials only exists for a small handful of countries. Kath will tell us how time-consuming it is to do it for a single country. We don't think it will ever be possible to have full data on human rights prosecutions for the whole world. So I, we think that this representative but incomplete sample is the best that we can do. Okay. Um, now on truth commissions, we think we will have the definitive full list. Uh, and with amnesties, uh, we think that there's going to be a definitive full list of amnesties in, in transitional countries. Okay. So we're aiming for different things depending on the nature of the mechanism. Um, now we are striving for what John said this morning. Uh, data collection that's transparent, accountable, reliable, and we hope replicable. So if for some reason we can't continue our database in the future, someone else can take our coding rules and should be able to update it as well. Um, Jeff is going to now explain some of what we have, you know, some of what we've come up with. Uh, but I should also say that we can still benefit very much from your advice and suggestions, uh, partly because we're just now um, completing the, the, the first um, round, but also we're just starting the second round. So particularly those of you who have expertise in the area of reparations, vetting and illustration, uh, traditional forms of justice, and civil uh, tri human rights trials for damages, you could help us, sh if you give us advice, you can help shape the template we actually use for coding, what kinds of information we're going to gather. And if I may just give one brief example of that, we had a template on truth commissions and I realized we, ha we asked about reports, we asked about size of staff, we asked about budgets. I realized we hadn't asked about availability of archives. And I was recently in, Ch I recently heard a presentation that Kath made in, on Chile, and she told us that the archives are closed. The Chilean archives are closed for 50 years. And I like said, so, oh no, we haven't asked that question. So I got back on the phone to our coders. We were able to add to the template the question about are the archives open or closed? If they're open, where are they? Where can you find them? And we were able to add that back in, and I think it's a really important part of the database. And the Truth Commission database also, where we have a report, we have it linked. So you'll be able to go to our database, and if there is a Truth Commission report, and if it's available electronically, you're going to have a link into that report. Uh, so we hope that, the, that we can, we can, hope that we'll be able to benefit from your comments and suggestions as well. Jeff. Um, I'm a car guy, and I'm going to 
uh, basically analogize what I'm going to do uh, to showing you the outside of a Chevy Corvette. Um, but, but as we know with Chevy Corvettes, sometimes they have transmission problems and their suspension is terrible. And that, that kind of thing happens with a huge data collection project also. We constantly find bugs, things that we have to fix. But this is what we're working towards. And we're working towards a bigger, glossy, cherry red uh, Chevy Corvette on transitional justice data. So uh, if, if that analogy could be permitted. Um, so, oh, oh goodness, something's happened in, uh, <laughs> maybe it's more like the Corvette than I thought it was. Uh, I guess this has happened when we've transferred to this computer, unfortunately. Oh, it looks so good. Um, so, okay, uh, I guess I'll just have to forge ahead here. Uh, on our prosecutions data, we have uh, 85 different countries with democratic transitions and then 112 democratic transition periods uh, that we've looked at specifically. And then we have 50 total countries with transitional human rights trials, but we're also coding trials that wouldn't be considered a part of transitional justice. So from our uh, source material, which is the State Department Human Rights Reports, we branched out from there to other source material, other secondary sources, and we, we're trying to collect uh, something like a huge sample of, uh, uh, of cases from around the world of, of ongoing prosecutions. And what this says, or what it did say, was accused individuals that we have in our data set in these transitional countries is, is 1,126, uh, which I think is now hiding behind the chart. And this is a chart of the actual prosecutions that are ongoing in any given year from the beginning of our sample in 1970 to the end in 2009. Uh, we're also working on 2010, but uh, this shows you kind of the, the increase in the leveling off that's happened in the last few years. Uh, well, this looks better. Uh, so these are the various, uh, th these are still actually aggregations of other data that we've collected, but these are, this is some idea of the various variables that's available on our website. So you see that we have kind of general information on the prosecutions, the court name, the court type, the year it started, the year it's ended. Ended is hard to define in some of these cases, and we could talk about that some more later. Uh, sometimes it's open-ended. There, no, there is no end that's, uh, because there are appeals processes and things of that nature. Also, when the, the, the date of the crime or the period of the crime and the, uh, the cost, if we can find information on that. Uh, also, we have information on the perpetrator, the, the charge uh, that's been made against them, their rank, uh, if they're a, mil a member of the military or the government, member of an opposition group, their membership, uh, and who the plaintiff in the, well, that's not a perpetrator, uh, but, but uh, you, you see, uh, the, we also have information on the plaintiff. Uh, then there's prosecutorial activity, whether it's, it's gone to the level of indictment, arrest, extradition, preliminary detention, or appeal. And then outcome verdict, which could be guilty, uh, could be a plea bargain, which is something that we've recently had to change uh, with Veronica's uh, uh, suggestion. And also uh, if it's been innocent or acquitted uh, as a verdict. And then finally the date of the verdict. So we kind of have an idea of when things have ended. Out of this information, and this is what we expect the data to be used for, we can actually generate many, many, many other variables for statistical research or for qualitative research if you're tracing historical processes. So one of the things that we could look at is just the number of high-ranking state officials that have been found guilty. And you could do that by combining various ones of these other variables that are uh, involved. And so we take this qualitative data here and we convert it, we can convert it to quantitative data of various forms. 
when we put it all together. Also, we can come up with how many, how many have been charged for disappearances, because we have information on the charges. And, or we can come up with the ratio of opposition members held uh, accountable versus the state officials tried, which could give us a read on the quality or the fairness of these trials in particular types of transitions. Uh, again, we had this, uh, this alignment problem. But the Truth Commission data, we have something like, uh, we have 70 Truth Commissions or Truth Commission-like mechanisms in our database. We started with, uh, with a database that only had 38, and we've kind of trudged things up. And so it's, it's going to, because it's going to be open source and transparent, we expect some feedback on, on how good these various commissions were, or if we should be considering them actual Truth Commissions. And we, we're very open to that debate. The countries with Truth Commissions, 53, and the total number of reports that we are going to have available on our website are 49. And this gives you an idea of a kind of trend line of Truth Commissions ongoing in each given year from 1970 through 2010. And you can see that there's actually a decline uh, in, over the last eight or ten years. So Truth Commission variables, I'm not going to uh, cover it in great detail, but we have you know, whether they're domestic or international, some kind of hybrid form of truth commission, um, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, so that picks up on some variation in, in the mandate, also the year of the mandate, uh, the, the pattern of abuse that's been investigated, the type of testimony that's taken, and then the outcome, whether there's a final report, whether it named names, which is a big issue in the 90s, whether the report is publicly available, which Catherine was mentioning, uh, whether uh, it supported prosecutions, which is a huge issue, and also, uh, different variables that get at the idea of a public response. How public is the Truth Commission, which is a difficult thing to measure, and I could explain some more about that. I don't want to linger too long on it, but we could come up with other composite variables, like the overall publicity of the Truth Commission. How important was it in the country? The, the level of involvement of victims in the Truth Commission process. Some have almost no involvement of victims. And whether they are designed to fail, we can make qualitative judgments about Truth Commissions based on the data that we have available. Um, gosh, again, this is, uh, this is just a brief thing on amnesties that this is a slide prepared by Andy and he's going to be presenting more on this tomorrow so I'm just going to touch on it. But we have uh, counted amnesty laws. These are the ones that uh, apply to human rights violations and cover state agents. And we also have information on challenges to those amnesty laws and we could trace those by country. So what's this data good for? Well, we think, we hope, it's good for answering questions. Uh, for example, we were recently in Onyati at a conference on a topic that's close to Kath Collins uh, and her work. It's on post-transitional justice. So is there a cross-national trend towards post-transitional justice, for example? That's a question we might be able to answer. Is transitional justice supportive of democratic consolidation holding other factors constant? Right. That would be a question that we could go about answering through qualitative or quantitative methods. Does transitional justice reduce conflict net other conditions? Extremely difficult question to answer, but one that we could maybe start getting towards answering with our data. This addresses the question of post-transitional justice. This is just some trends that I came up with. This is the, uh, the years following the transition, and this is the number of total trials ongoing uh, in each of the region, or each of four regions of the world. I did four because it just looks better, and the Middle East has had very little. So in the Americas, you see that there's kind of a trailing off of trials, and then there's a bump up around year 15. So you could argue that there are two waves of trials uh, following transition that have gone on in Latin America. In Europe, 
in Africa and in Asia, maybe it's not as pronounced. There's a trailing off of trial activity. This is specifically domestic trial activity, by the way, domestic prosecutions over time, a trailing off. Trials in democratic consolidation. This is a, this is a probability, uh, this is a graph of predicted probabilities from an ordered probit, which is probably precisely not interesting to most people. But uh, this is taking data from Freedom House, which is inter interesting to a lot of experts that write about de democratic transition and consolidation. And this is showing you that the more trials there are, the higher the probability a country is to be rated free which is uh, versus partly free. Obviously problematic terms, and I would, I would love the discussion. I actually love this, your discussion of methods, and I'm very involved with the relationship between these quantitative uh, indicators and, and claims to expertise. So I, 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 I welcome that discussion, uh, and, I, and I see that these are problematic, but this is an interesting chart in and of itself. The more trials, the higher the probability, as rated by other people, that a country is considered free. Also, trials and conflict, a bit more difficult to explain this chart, but this just shows a survival, that, this is in post-conflict situations, how long is a country surviving without having another breakout of conflict? Okay, so this is a, this is a Cox proportional hazard model which people use uh, to, to study cancer patients. I use it to study post-conflict situations. And the more trials, the more trial activity over time, the higher or the, this is actually the lower probability of failure, but the higher the probability of survival, uh, which is interesting. So future directions. Uh, this is just showing you kind of, this is getting under the hood just a little bit. This is scratching the surface on the Corvette. But this, we intend, we intend to make this data fully available to the public, like we were talking about. And one thing that we're really interested in is finding local experts to address issues that come up in the data. So because you can trace the processes through the different countries, and it's going to be fully searchable, we hope, we hope that people will actually search the data and say, you can't possibly have coded this as this, right? This is not a true trial, or this is not a truth commission properly uh, you know, uh, speaking, it's it's just wrong, and and we encourage it. That's what we think it's all about. It's about making this data as comprehensive and transparent as possible. And the other thing that we really want is feedback on burning cross-national questions. You know, we have a lot of discussions about going into countries and evaluating, but I think, uh, and I think I'm not alone, that we tend when we evaluate those countries to then seek to generalize. To, to move beyond those particular contexts. And that's the kind of thing that we're interested in. We're interested in when we go from the specific evaluation to the general evaluation. And I think that's something that uh, this data can speak to. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jeff.